The Youthscape Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Youthscape Podcast with me, Martin Saunders. And with me, Rachel Gardner. And we are, on the hottest day of the year, two sweaty Bettys. <laughs> in, in rooms at the highest point of our houses, our equivalent houses, I think. Yeah. So the heat is rising and we're very, very... very I don't know about where you are in Vigate, but I've noticed that in Preston, says she that doesn't really know anything about the North, but I have lived here nine months. I, my feeling is that we, we do kind of cold grunge really well. When mm. the heat comes out, we're all hiding in doorways and behind church buildings. And when I got to the Minster today, the young people that are around the back of the Minster were lying. And I took photos of it. It was so funny. They were lying with their like, fully clothed hoodies, hoods up. They were lying over the tombstones. <laughs> I was like... Can I have a sign of life? They're just like, oh, just really hot. Just wow. really hot. Like, nobody knows at the North what to do. Were they, were they so confused that they were still wearing coats and things? They were still wearing hoodies with hoods up. Yeah. Of course they were. I was like, come on, Jack, take some layers off and drink yeah. some water. So it's nice and easy. But it's, yeah, that's crazy. It's so weird and rare to feel this hot in this country. Uh, well, well, not so much these days, but um, uh, that's, a whole other, that's a whole yeah. other episode. But, so uh, at this point, we normally sort of check in with you and we find out how lockdown is serving you because we know from last week's podcast that very exciting is a number of things that you're doing, plus homeschooling your kids, plus ministry online. So yes. how's that going? I would say that uh, today has been both the best of times and the worst of times for me because oh. I've, I've stopped doing homeschooling as of as of today my my youngest two have gone back to school which is which is wonderful but of course i've got teenagers as well and the teenagers have smelt weakness and thought ah he's he's lulled into a full sense of security and he's relaxed the children have left this is our time to strike and so so i'm just having a whole other range of fun lockdown parenting Issues, but you know, I, as I say, I've got a fourteen-year-old and a twelve-year-old who are really fed up now with having been yeah. kind of in in away from school, locked down in a different way uh, for the last kind of three three and a half months now. I totally sympathise, um, but uh, yeah, on a hot day, it's been uh, it, it, it's been tough at times. I wonder if that's replicated in families across the country as well, because there's something flipped on its head about that, isn't there? Because although teenagers love probably the notion of not having to be in school, being at home, because they've had to be at home, seeing the younger ones go back into school and sensing this freedom, it's like flipped on its head. Surely it should be the older ones that are let loose first, shouldn't yes. it? So I wonder if there's a little bit of it. It's contrary to what should be normally happening. And so parents like yourself have got that double whammy of caged teenagers yeah. feeling the injustice of it yeah yeah absolutely so so you you know you were telling me as well that you did something ridiculous on what is i think the hottest day of the year so what did you do you decided it was already like a bajillion degrees outside <laughs> and then what did you decide to do for dinner a barbecue a barbecue Absolutely. a barbecue and a cup of tea there's something <laughs> in me i it gets hot like oh so hot oh it's gasping for a cup of tea that probably shows my age um but also excitingly today um 
just sort of beginning to venture outside of Preston because obviously Jason and I, one of the reasons that we came to Preston is that we're going to plant from Preston Minster into another place in the Northwest um, and planting a church that's really focused on inspiring young people and emerging adults to follow Jesus. So for the first time in a long time, Jason and I got in the car and drove out of Preston ah. and got excited about sort of youth ministry outside of Preston and in another part of this wonderful part of the Northwest. So that just, like you had your thing going to um, Peterborough, didn't you, last week? I, did. But I think today it just felt like, oh, there are other places outside of Preston and there are other young people. So we just did a bit of prayer walking around a few just significant places that we're just asking God to give us some wisdom over. And that just felt so exciting, really exciting. Wow. You don't set the bar very high, do you, Rachel? Like, you're on your day off. What are we going to do? Let's go to some other places and prayer walk around those. That's the, sort of, that's the way the gardeners kick back. And also, Jason and I, we're definitely at that age where we don't really care anymore. So we don't prayer walk particularly very quietly. We sort of chit-chat a bit and go and get a drink from the local offie and then do a bit more prayer walking and then chat to it. It's really nice. Um, and uh, Jason's funny comment today was, oh, look, Rachel, outside this church, people have peed in a bottle. This is our kind of church. <laughs> so that was exciting. I think... Wow. Anything at the moment for any of us involved in youth ministry, anything, whether it is getting in the car and going somewhere else, or whether it's just a great conversation with a young person that we've been seeing over Zoom the last few weeks, anything that kind of lifts our spirits and opens up our horizon, I think at the moment it's particularly wonderful for us, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, um, it it is. doesn't have to be massive for it to be really significant. So, no. yeah, that was so, good. Just checking in on, on a, a conversation we've had on and off over the last yes. kind of few months. Uh, it would be good to talk about how we're finding online youth work now. So uh, remember, I don't know, 12, 14 weeks ago now, we were kind of saying, hey, guys, it's the new frontier. We know people have been doing it for ages, but we are new to this. <laughs> uh, online youth work, it's the way to go. Certainly, that is where I've invested the majority of my youth work energy over the last three months. I know you've done some as well um, yeah. with, with uh, Beth and the team at uh, Preston Minster. How's that now feeling? How's, how's Zoom and YouTube and other online connection with young yeah. people feeling now? I, I think we hit a lull about three or four weeks ago where it just was difficult to get anything from them apart from they were physically sat in front of a screen and so we saw their faces but there wasn't much sign of life last week um i'm not sure why all the youth volunteers are feeling oh there's a new energy and engagement i think what what we've really noticed is that our younger youth our sort of 10s to 13s really need high octane fun and silliness so they need home olympics you know sliding down banisters on, on mattresses super silly stuff on the youtube channel that's really kept them connected and things like the friday night um crazy quizzes dress up as an old person they absolutely love that the older youth um have been they've loved that but they've been a little bit more spectators of that and kind of tolerated it they've absolutely loved um getting involved with with doing the sunday thoughts inputting the actual content mm. and then last week i it was the first time actually I, are you happy for me to share this because it was a really powerful moment for me of course so, I've done lots of church online since lockdown, like lots of us have, either viewing it or taking part in it. And I have to say, I've not had in the whole of lockdown an experience where I feel that 
God has spoken to me and the people that I'm on Zoom with at the same time, like ah. something's happened. I've not had that sort of experience. But with the older youth, only if like five of them, not many of them, we, we discussed the Bible passage, we talked it through, and then we said, let's just wait and listen to God. And we did. And then people shared words and pictures, and it was very powerful it was really it was interesting and I'm trying to think why it was I think it was partly lots of people shared what they felt God said when people shared a word and said I think this is for you mm. the person often responded with oh yeah that that is bang on wow. so it was really reciprocal and we're not a, a youth ministry that's particularly charismatic you know we're, we're kind of finding our feet with that we're not a kind of a swinging from the shines of this youth group um we're quite a reflective bunch of young people really so that that was yeah. powerful and on the whatsapp group afterwards there was lots of that was amazing i've not experienced oh, great. that before. so that just felt like that was i think three months of hard slog mm. got us to the point where that could happen um mm. which was just it was great but it made me crave seeing them all together in one place really i didn't think oh let's yeah, keep doing this again i thought oh, i want to see you guys <laughs> yeah yeah so i that is encouraging particularly encouraging because we've seen just slowly engagement declining. Yeah. And so uh, we, were, we were seeing a lot of young people in the first few weeks. And of course, the options have opened up now for young people not to be at home at seven o'clock on a Wednesday evening. They don't have to be there anymore. It's no. boiling hot outside. Their friends want to meet them locally, etc., etc. I understand that. So, so our, we've just seen our engagement just tapering off a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's interesting to me is that they, the kids then go back and watch it on demand. Ah. And I, I think there's something potentially unhealthy if you push right. too hard into that, that you're essentially creating consumer-driven content at that point. Yeah. Like, hey, guys. Yeah. Hey, we're the church on demand. Whenever you, whenever you fancy yes. it, Jesus. Like you can come and get it on YouTube. Yes, yes. I think there's a place for that, obviously, but um, but I, I, I think it's a bit dodgy when that's the basis of your of your work. So, um, I think, like many others, I'm now asking the question: like, what does it look like, probably, to move to a kind of hybrid model? So we're not gonna we're not gonna move overnight back into um, young people in a building uh, doing you know silly games and having a talk at, from the front. Mm. We're not gonna move back into that model. Uh, perhaps we'll never move back into that model, but we're certainly mm. not going to do it straight away. So there's a question of like, what's the, what's the hybrid? How can we do some stuff online, some stuff digitally that, that, that takes the best of what we've learned, but also yeah. begin to meet face to face, not just maybe in a detached, we talked already about the detached model, but whether you can start to gather groups or, um, I mean, we're even, we've got this idea. We're not sure whether we're going to do it yet, where we're, we're thinking of like doing, uh, like a, a, one of our groups in front of a live studio audience as it were do you know what i mean so like oh, yeah so like a so like a uh, so you can watch it online but also a smaller number can come and be there live and participate and that would allow you to have kind of live worship and mm. other stuff can come back in at that point so um yeah i, I i'm just, uh, you know a lot of people will be asking the question about what does it look like to to create a new model it's exciting. Yes. New models are always exciting. New models are exciting. Yeah, yeah. I totally agree. And I wonder if the brilliant thing that, that you and I sort of display really well is that the youth ministry at Preston Minister going into lockdown was small. We're talking 15 teenagers max. Mm -hmm. You're, you going into lockdown is 100. And so I wonder if actually the smaller youth ministries that like our one is almost a greater buy-in because 
it, it, it's much more we see that your face is missing so we're quickly on the I, I don't know it'd be really yeah. interesting to analyze whether whether that whether we found that um the other thing that i want to talk to you about is um the potential for loads of disappointed youth workers and young people in a few weeks, few weeks or months' time, when we do begin to do things back together, because every honestly, every week, the thing that young people want to talk about to us is, I wish we were all together. I wish we were yeah. together. And Beth and I are thinking, you're much more engaged here than you were when we were meeting <laughs> physically together. So that's yeah. really interesting, number one. And number two is, is these young people have, most of our young people have not left home at all. Most of them are not actually back in school or college. They don't fall into those age categories. No. So they've been very insular and, and they've not gone out at all, really. And we're suddenly going to pull them together. Even though it's only 15 teenagers and five adults, let's say, actually, how will they be in a room full of people? And, yeah. and will, it, will it feel disappointing? Because actually every week it's like, we'll, we'll do this because actually soon we'll be back together. And I, and I just yeah. wonder if, if, if I'm giving enough thought um, to how do we make that not a pinnacle mm. that then will be super disappointing. But we say, of course we're going to come together again, but we're also going to keep this aspect of the online stuff going and we're going to be doing this as well. So we, so we don't inadvertently feed that kind of golden calf of it will be amazing when we're all sat back in a circle in a cold church room because yeah. <laughs> i mean all you know so that i think i don't know if anyone i don't know if you're thinking that martin or whether you're thinking actually we just won't be able to with the numbers we have we just won't be able to well i mean one of the questions is you know how what, what number of young people will we even be dealing with you know i think there'll yes. be some young people who are very anxious about returning to any yeah. sort of group activity um there'll parents, be some yeah parents will have that as well there'll mm. be some young people who uh, maybe for whatever reason have sort of made a decision over the course of lockdown they don't really want to do this anymore yeah there may be new young people that we've picked up that we've never even met that's quite exciting yeah um, i don't i don't believe there's going to be scores of those but there might be one mm. or two um and uh, yeah, yeah i think i, I because because we're going to have to meet up in a socially distanced manner it is going to be weird. You know, we've all got to set, you know, one meter plus apart and we've all got to kind of, we're not allowed to do anything that involves kind of getting too close together. It's going to be very strange for them. Um, And so, uh, so yeah, I think it could be quite disappointing. There, or there in, could be, you know, we might have to manage expectations. Yes, and I think that's probably all it needs to be is that we manage expectations and just get really creative. If we, if we, let's not think that innovation and new models is just about the online space. Actually, if we're going to be going back to the face-to-face space, that probably does still require innovation and new models. I suppose like this week in the news, we were hearing all the different uncertainties around who actually can you know, what can actually reopen and what sports can. And did you hear the conversation around cricket? So cricket, which has to be the most socially distant sport on the planet, apart yeah. from golf, um, is, is not allowed to happen because, um, you know, obviously spitting on the ball, throwing the ball, this ball becomes like this, this, this convector, is that the right word, of the, of the virus? So, I don't know, but so, you're talking to me about cricket and I I'm don't even know what you're you talking about. This is amazing. About cricket. It's basically a bunch of people standing around socially distanced in a field. The and roles have truly reversed. Selfies, yeah. But it's just really interesting because I just thought, oh my goodness, that, that you know, there's such an uproar about that. And I was thinking, oh yeah, what is it in youth ministry that would be 
the thing that would be the kind of the carrier of the virus probably is a thing that we really want to do. Like, you know, gathering around young people and praying for them, you know, yeah. the, the things actually, yeah. the, the, you know, actually for young people in our youth setting, it isn't just physically being in a room yeah. that is the same room as their youth. Work. It's actually the stuff that happens in that room. It's mm. the prayer is, it is the, you know, safe hug. It is the, you know, the laying on hands. Yeah, or the, or the stupid game where the you all like... food-based I mean, game. food-based games, which is like, I, we can't imagine ever doing it again, but it is all of that stuff that, that is almost the DNA of, of youth ministry because it's about yeah. a little bit of rebellion against the way things should be. You, oh, yeah. That's how we build our facilitated stuff. So I, I think it is an interesting question for us how how subversive we're prepared to be within safe parameters, obviously, yeah. But um, but because we don't want to keep young people away from it because we're having to shield for all sorts of reasons. But yeah, I, I'm I'm just toying with this at the moment. Like, oh, what are we? Do you know what it? Do you know what it makes me think? It makes me think that what we really need is a one day youth ministry conference online that that addresses all these questions and more. Asks the big questions: what what's com- what's coming up? What's next? Now what? <laughs> Now what? What's next? Now what? So what? I love all of that. That would all scan. Do you know if what? only there was an event called that. <laughs> I've heard that if we had to cap ticket sales, and obviously it's free, yeah. then we have we have capped. But because it's online, any number of people. But we've got huge numbers of people have responded yeah. saying they're going to connect on that day. So thank goodness it is free, and anyone can connect at any point. Yeah, so it's worth saying that. Yeah, it yeah. just is worth so, saying that. Yeah. So we we a, a week ago. You, after 37 attempts, (laughs) recorded a one-minute promo video. And such is the pulling power of Rachel Gardner. Not at all. I love that. We we have actually got to the point where I think there's there's about 600 people booked in in the first week already. Extraordinary. Well um, done, community. Love it. And it feels like, because people keep telling me about it. They're like, oh, you should go to that. I've had a couple. (laughs) I had an email from my DYO. Telling me I should oh. go. I thought oh, and that's they good. Say, Rachel's running an event. Can they, we just they, didn't they didn't mention they, me. They didn't mention me. Because we all know that I never run anything at Youthscape ever. Never. I'm not allowed to run anything. So that would be hilarious if you were told that Rachel. You say that, it. but of course, and this may only appeal to people who not only listen to the podcast but enjoy it. Um, uh, and that's a small Venn diagram. It is actually partly being hosted by you and I. <laughs> You and you and I are definitely doing some of the hosting. We are. So, um, so it'll be it'll be a little bit like, and we'd only say this to podcast listeners. It'll be a little bit like an extended edition of the Youthscape podcast, but probably, probably much better. Probably much better. Much better than that. Um, probably, but, yeah, that's right. But but of course, as we said last week, this does mean we'll be in the same room, which will be yeah. very exciting. Fantastic. So the event is called Now What? You can book in for free at youthscape.co.uk slash now what? If you register in advance, you get a free downloadable resource which has been produced by our innovation team and Rachel Gardner. It's like a, it's like a sort of a, a, a hip-hop collaboration. Innovation team feet Rachel Gardner. No, that's a day. I was like, oh, I'll get my guys. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so you also get that to download for free. So do do that because that's basically a tool for you to help help you to work your way through the weekend. Uh, and so uh, so it's Thursday evening to Friday evening, uh, three sessions plus some seminars and some coaching opportunities as well. 
Don't miss it. It's completely free. Youthscape.co.uk slash now what? What does it mean for you, Martin, that 600 people have registered an interest to come and there'll be more on the day and more after us? What, what, what does that mean for you? Well, I have a... So I, I'm always incredibly pessimistic about everything we organise. So I assumed we'd get about 12 people. But, <laughs> um, but I think there's something about the specificity of yeah, yeah. Um, this event, which is that it's, it's about your vision for your youth ministry uh, over the next 12 months. And there's a whole bunch of things we're not going to talk about and cover, but we promise we're going to help you think that through, either in your own, on your own or with a team. Um, and we, we promise that at the end of this event, you're going to hopefully have moved a little bit. We promise you'll hopefully have moved a little bit along that journey. Um, I sound like a politician. But, um, but you know, uh, I think that's maybe captured a bit of the imagination of people, even if they were weary of online events and things. I think mm. it's that specific goal that we all share at the moment, and that's why people are coming along. So that's absolutely what we're going to focus on. I mean, no jokes at all. I'm actually super excited about the journal as someone who isn't a big fan of journaling as everybody knows I'm just a fly by seats to pants Chris asked me to get involved with it and um, this is the big sort of guide that you can work through and you haven't got to like you can just access the sessions as you want but as I looked at the content that the team have put together I was absolutely blown away both by the sheer genius of it but also by the sense of oh my goodness if youth work volunteers like me actually filled this stuff in if we actually sat with our team and did these activities I think we would absolutely come out of the 24 hours with a really clear idea of what lockdown has meant for our youth ministry a good assessment not to beat ourselves up but just to say this is what this hasn't and then a really clear roadmap to, to creating the vision for youth ministry in a COVID-19 world and so there's a church that I know of that has no youth ministry and they're thinking of beginning it now and they're starting it online so I emailed saying you guys have got to be at this so I'm really excited actually to think of all the church leaders who maybe have never touched you ministry but maybe now they are like so I think if you are a veteran youth worker come and join in be part of this because your input's going to be incredible if if you know people that have never touched this before you get this to them to come because I think it will really galvanize some great thinking for you know, moving forward so I'm I'm very excited about I was excited when I made the promo film I'm even more excited now it's so even, good even more excited now you know the actual name <laughs> what it is what it is yeah brilliant so we haven't announced yet any uh of the speakers contributors apart from you and i um i could do that now i could just slip a couple of names in there do you want me to do oh, that well i'll tell you dr kate middleton will be speaking and i oh, think, what? Be, what? I think that'll be well worth your entrance fee uh, I think her podcast with us at the beginning of lockdown is one of the most popular ones we yeah, did during lockdown, actually. Yeah. Extraordinary. And yeah. also, um, do you remember that, um, that Remington fuzz away advert from the, uh, the, like the 1980s? Do you remember that guy? He's, he sold like an ear and nasal hair trimmer. He's not, he's oh, not speaking. He got hit. <laughs> <laughs> he's not speaking. But you remember. Well, I've learned about follicles. <laughs> do you remember the guy, the, the Remington fuzz away guy? I want to say yes. I if can't you, remember him. But if you I'm remember the Remington Fuzzaway guy, would you please send an email to remingtonfuzzawayyouscape.co.uk? It will go to Chris Curtis. It'll make my day, not his. If you are the Remington Fuzz uh, guy. If you're still alive, come and speak. Anyway, I, I've forgotten why I'm doing this. The Remington Fuzzaway guy said, 
that the Remington Fuzz away was so good, he bought the company. That was the, that was <gasps> the point. And uh, on a similar lines, um, today on the podcast, um, I am uh, going to talk in a moment to Esther Swaffield Bray, who is absolutely amazing, uh, England director of uh, IJM, International Justice Mission. And the interview was so good that at the end of... Uh, the interview, I bought International Justice Mission. In fact, I didn't do that. <laughs> I, I actually asked her if she'd come and speak and share um, what she, some of what she shared with me, uh, maybe some of it that, that we didn't record, actually, um, on uh, at Now What. So Esther is also going to be one of our speakers. There we go. I've slipped two out of the bag there. So this is uh, my conversation with the brilliant Esther Swaffield Bray of International Justice Mission. My guest today on the Youthscape podcast is Esther Swaffield Bray. Hello, Esther. Hi, Martin. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. And uh, I, I had the video on a minute ago, but uh, but for the purposes of clean audio recording, I can't see you anymore. So, where are you today? Well, I am currently in my spare bedroom um, up in Durham, uh, in the beautiful northeast of England, where the sun is shining, which is lovely. <laughs> it is. I mean, I don't know. You know, it may all be different by the time this uh, this actually this interview, I think, is going to be uh, released tomorrow. So by which time I think thunderstorms and, and, and all sorts of horrors are predicted. So right now we are in the midst of like the hottest day of the year. <laughs> And, and you know what? We'll enjoy it while it lasts. Oh my goodness! I've actually got the paddling pool out, and I'm, I'm I was working <laughs> this morning, working with my feet in the uh, in the paddling pool, just worried that at any moment the laptop might slip into uh, <laughs> oblivion. Anyway, so um, if that's so not living the lockdown dream. I don't know what is. Martin. I am living the lockdown dream. Um, I <laughs> yeah, I I was listening to very vanilla music uh, as is my. <laughs> as is my want as a 40-something man, in the back garden with my feet in a, a paddling pool. And I was thinking, I think I've got to the point where I'm both very happy and I've sort of given up. So, <laughs> so that was lovely. Um, so, so Esther, for those that don't know you, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? And for those that don't know the organisation you worked for, why mm. don't you tell us a bit about IJM? Sure, sure. So um, yeah, as, as you said, my name's Esther and I'm part of the team at IJM UK. Um, and IJM is the world's largest anti-slavery organisation. So we work all around the world, uh, finding, rescuing um, and advocating um, for victims of cases of modern day slavery and, and violent oppression. And um, although uh, tackling slavery and, and trafficking is, is one thing we do, we actually work in a variety of cases of injustice. So uh, cases of gender-based violence, cases of police abuse of power, uh, basically anywhere where the power balance is off, um, we're working with local communities, with local churches, with local government authorities um, to help restore that balance um, and help protect people who are living in poverty uh, from violence um, so that people don't get trafficked and, and enslaved in the first place. And um, I've been working with uh, IJM for about uh, three and a half years now. Um, and yeah, love it. Fantastic. And do you, do you um, have any kind of number that you can put on, on modern day slavery? I remember maybe 10 years ago, there was this 27 million number that was, mm. was floating around. Is that still accurate? Has the problem got 
better, worse? Like, where are we at with modern day slavery around the world? Well, slavery by its nature is really hard to count um, because it is hidden. Um, Often it is hidden. And um, yeah, that that 27 uh, million figure. Do you remember the song? I do. I can still remember the sample. (laughs) What what a song. Um, It's a little bit off from where we sit nowadays. So latest estimates um, come in at just around about 40 million people, which um, is sadly more people in slavery today than there have ever been at any point in history. Wow. Um, That is more than the entirety of the transatlantic slave trade put together. Um, And one in four of those 40 million um, is a child. Um, so we're at the sad point where there are more people in slavery than there have ever been at any point in history. Um, but more importantly, I think, is we're seeing, um, perhaps for the first time, that it is possible to end it. And we're seeing some of those statistics begin to shift. Wow. I mean, that is just, that is incredibly sobering. And I, and I know, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, it's obviously um, not, leapt up 13 million people in 10 years i I guess there's more Mm. of a sense of um uh us understanding the scale of the problem a bit better and Mm -hmm. as you say uncovering a lot more hidden examples of that but that that is an overwhelming um number can what's your approach to that like what's igm's approach to the fact that the problem is so big is it um uh is it sort of one person at a time is it trying to address the root causes it all of that together like how do you solve a problem of that magnitude Mm. I mean you're right like that statistic on its own is utterly overwhelming and when you start to break that down it becomes almost even more overwhelming um we're talking kind of every 30 seconds a a child being sold somewhere in the world like that is mind-blowing and ridiculous and to be honest if you um only focus on that that's pretty crushing I think you either become numb or you become completely overwhelmed and neither are a great place to sit um but in terms of how we approach that as a movement we're working on kind of two uh, ends of the spectrum and and first um is the individuals so actually where is that child held in a brothel um where is that family enslaved in a brick kiln and um, where are those boys trapped on a fishing boat and and working with local police local authorities to, to get them out and get them safe and get them to a place where they can heal and and you know and and learn to live in freedom um sustainably and we've seen that happen over 53,000 times over the last 10 years wow. we've seen over 53,000 individuals rescued which is is pretty cool in itself yeah. but the the other end of that is then looking about what in the system mm. uh, the systems of, of governance or operation in those countries where slavery is most prevalent what is it about the system that is meaning that that is still happening because actually like 53,000 is a massive number but compared to 40 million, um, you know, we've got a long way to go. So that is about working with with local government, with with local justice systems to actually strengthen the systems to protect those living in poverty so they're not vulnerable in the first place. 
Mm. And what we've seen is that when you combine those two things, like the micro, like the ones and the twos or the families, sometimes the hundreds, um, right up with the systems and the governments and the local authorities, the micro and the macro, it's possible to to change things on a systemic level. Mm. So um, just to give you a quick example, just if that's helpful. Um, yeah. We, we were working uh, and still work actually um, in the Philippines um, a few years ago on cases of child sex trafficking. Um, really, really challenging work um, in you know, all the darkness that you can imagine involved yeah. in child sex trafficking. And our teams uh, went about um, working and partnering with the local police, the local government there um, to, to, to rescue children from trafficking, um, but also to, to look at kind of how the police were operating. You know, did they have the resources they needed? Were they able um, and well-trained and knew how to, to deal with really vulnerable children? And what we saw over a five-year period, uh, by rescuing but then actually working to fix the whole system, um, was a 79% reduction in child trafficking across each major city um, in that country, wow. or the three major cities. Um, so the stats went from something like um, 15 to 20%, I'm, I'm riffing off the top of my head, numbers yeah. are not my strong point, um, 15 to 20% of the sex trade at the time being children to, to less than 1%, something like wow. that. Um, wow. It just absolutely, the stats flipped on their head. Wow. Um, so yeah. It's both the micro and the macro, and it's possible to see the entire system changed, which gives us a lot of hope. That is great. I, I guess um, we're going to talk in a minute now about uh, mm. COVID and the impact of COVID on, on your uh -huh. work. But just, just before we go there, more generally, if you can get mm. your head out of, of the present moment for a, for a minute, what is it that you hope to see happen among young people? Like, what is, I guess, why is it that IJM... Um, you know, talk to youth leaders and talk to young people. What is it that you're hoping to see happen in them now when they have less power, less influence than they're going to have later on? Um, mm. You know, what is it? What is the reason for you investing in young people? Oh, you know what? There are so many reasons. And um, I could go really cheesy and go children in the future, um, which I obviously believe, is, I believe is they are. true. Shall, shall we sing? Shall we sing? Shall we sing? <laughs> absolute tune um no well i guess there's something about the current generation coming through and as you will know and lots of you listening will know but they get justice like there is a restlessness a heartbeat faster thing that they get that the world as it is is not as it should be yes and i'm, I'm so excited because much more even so than i don't know when i was at university 10 years 10 years ago or so on but the generation coming through like get this stuff mm. and i think first of all there's a really exciting thing to harness in that around the, all this energy all this righteous anger like how can we channel that into something that is actually building the type of world um, that we all want to see um, and and also I guess there's a really exciting opportunity for those who perhaps don't know Jesus for them to actually connect their heart of for justice their activism their want to see things change their want to see uh, unjust systems overturned actually connect that with with Jesus and mm. and the, the greatest justice bringer um, and the God of justice and and there's two things there that I think are really really exciting mm. opportunities right in the moment and um, when it comes to slavery I guess the fact that we're all sort of connected that there is something we can all be doing um 
yeah, is, is important as well. I have really seen this issue over the years mm-hmm. uh, as I've taken young people to events particularly and they've, um, they've kind of heard the grim facts for themselves and perhaps they've, they've been involved in, you know, uh, I remember taking a group of kids around an escape room. I think that was last last year, um, Ooh, yeah. and uh, and just just as they come face to face with this stuff, um, it seems to me that this issue in particular really does kind of uh, it just provokes this extraordinary reaction within them. Mm. This uh, righteous mm-hmm. anger that just rises up within young people, where I think older people, I think we are, we're so kind of embedded in consumerism. But when someone yeah. says, I know how much you love your, your phone, but did you know how it was made and who made it? We just can't mm-hmm. bear. We, even mm-hmm. the liberals among us can't bear to, um, uh, to deal with our own complicity in that and actually make some change. Whereas young people just seem to go, what? This is outrageous. Yeah. I will never buy that brand of phone again. Maybe. Yeah, 100%. And like, what an... Yeah, and what a great opportunity for us to learn from from yeah. those young people and actually see them lead the way. Because um, yeah. you're entirely right. I wonder at what age, you know, do we become almost, I don't know whether comfortable is the right word, but with our complicity. Whereas mm. that outrage is what we should all be feeling. Yes. <laughs> we should all be feeling that. Um, yeah, and I guess as well when you bring in the fact that you know, there's such a high number of young people directly involved. You know, that's that one in four mm. of those 40 million are young people. There's actually yes. that real sense of, gosh, it's a, it's a person like me. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm in school, but there's a, someone just like me who isn't in school being forced to do the most horrendous things. Yeah. And um, yeah, those skills of empathy and, and so on. I think that we've got lots to learn from. <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, so let's just talk about, um, this, this is still, uh, episode 478 million in a series of <laughs> special edition podcasts that we're doing, uh, during lockdown. And so, um, so even as restrictions are being lifted now, who knows where that will all lead us, but, mm. um, but we are still very much in the shadow of COVID. Um, and I just wondered how that's impacted your, your work as IGM in the first mm. instance, and then particularly those that um, those that you seek to serve. Mm. For IJM um, as a whole, you know, working to working to help protect those who are most vulnerable around the world, um, lockdown has brought some some very complicated challenges. Um, yeah. You know, lockdown was supposed to make us safe, yeah. and for people all around the world, um, lockdown has actually done the opposite of that. Um, and whether that is that you are a uh, victim of trafficking and you are now locked in with your trafficker or um, we've seen a whole spate of, of, of migrant labourers who have become trapped and not able to get home in lockdown or in this kind of limbo situation or one of the, one of the most um, yeah, horrifying situations, if I'm honest, has been the sharp increase during lockdown of the online exploitation of children. Um, Well, we've just seen the stats go through the roof um, compared to similar times in previous years. And and what that is, just to to paint a picture, is where you've got children uh, living in a uh, country such as the Philippines, actually, to bring it back to there, um, Mm. with um, perpetrators in countries like the UK uh, paying to live stream the sexual exploitation of of children. And what we've seen is that lockdown has, has actually created the perfect storm for that 
where you've got wow. people spending more time online in countries like ours and and children locked down with perpetrators in in other areas of the world and um and yeah what what that has has really meant um for us as a team is um is yeah we've been doing more rescues <laughs> we've been working with the police as well yeah. um it's made rescue operations um with the police much more tricky everyone's in full ppe and gear and so on but it's made our work if, if anything if it wasn't urgent before which it was it is certainly um as urgent as it's ever been. It's hard not to just feel depressed and angry hmm. uh, that, 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 that's, that that's what's happened um, as a result of this. But I guess, I guess of course, uh, you know, evil finds a way, uh, just as love does. And, hmm. uh, and it is horrendous, but also like, it just once again underlines why we need organisations like yours and why you can't stop. If anything, well, you had to accelerate. Exactly. And and that's actually, we were saying just for this call that, you know, the, the choice, I think, going into lockdown was like, do we hibernate? Do we try and wait this out? Actually, there are people around the world who are reliant on the people of God, um, people like IJM to actually, actually, actually help them and 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 so on so and what what has given me amazing hope during this time if i'm honest is just seeing the resilience of some of our survivors in this incredibly tricky situation um one one um young woman we'll, we'll call her ruby um was actually interviewed on on radio four just about 10 days ago, two weeks ago, yeah. um, she was a, a survivor that, that um, was brought out from a case of online sexual exploitation. And she shared her story with what I can guess is millions and millions of people about how she's no longer a victim, but she is victorious. And, um, and you know, when you hear stories like that, um, and we've seen rescue after rescue after rescue, um, yeah, it, it brings it sharply home that these aren't... <laughs> All weak, vulnerable people. These are victorious young people who have a future and a hope, and um, and seeing them coming into into flourishing from places mm. of darkness is is really exciting as well. Wow. So I guess this is a really hard question, and and uh, mm. I know you hate this because you, you <laughs> you're someone who likes to be prepared in advance, and I understand that. But I That's I right. tend to make these things up as I go. I'm afraid. Um, but um, but just in terms of us listening to this podcast and probably feeling a sense of a need to do something right now. Hmm. Um, I guess there's a, a immediate question, which is, is there, are there practical ways that we can engage with IJM support that work that you talk about at this time? Um, you know, that's the, the, the first question. And then how can we make sure this is integral to our youth work now? Hmm. Well, to, to answer your first question, how how can you support? Um, well, I'd I'd love to in, in, invite you to to get involved with this uh, particular justice fight. Um, there are a number of ways you can. Um, if you have a look at IJM's website, ijmuk.org, you'll see um, a few starters. Um, a key one at the moment if you're looking for something fun to do um during during lockdown as we're launching a challenge called just ride um, which is all about as we're seeing everyone jumping on their bikes and getting out um for exercise etc what about using that for a purpose and um and enjoying uh yeah a bit of fundraising alongside that but actually uh, you can choose your distance choose your time and, and get involved with that so that's called just ride um you can always uh, you can also um sign up to, to pray with ijm um as you may have picked up uh, martin we love prayer at ijm mm. um to the point that every member of staff um prays for an hour a day that is in my job contract um 
I always joke with my friends, I'm a professional prayer. That is um, a cool but... part of a job. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? It blew my mind when I joined IJM. Love that. Um, but, but, but genuinely, we absolutely cover your prayer and would really, really um, love to invite you to join what we believe is the front line of this fight um, in prayer. And you can sign up again to receive um, up to date, up to the minute, um, just prayer updates and resources and so on, on ijmuk.org on on the website there. Um, Yeah, the justice fight, I am sure, um, will will begin um, in prayer um, and, and from that place be moved into action, um, whatever that looks like. Um, but yeah, in terms of your, your second question, Martin, you know what? The Bible is full of God's justice, isn't it? I mean, I would challenge you to find a page um, in the good book where, where justice or themes of loving your neighbour, um, you know, don't come out. The Bible is saturated with with the idea. You know, Jesus even says it all boils down to that, doesn't it? Like loving God and loving your neighbour. Mm. And and I do think we're going to shortcut and shortchange discipleship if we aren't talking about this stuff, and if we aren't talking about, um, you know, our worship to God. Um, you know, that justice can be part of our worship to God. You know, you can read Amos five. You can read. You know, you can read. Isaiah can be pretty much any book of the Bible and find that theme. And mm. so I would just encourage you, like, not to short short change discipleship. Um, you know, we're seeing at the moment that that justice issues are right at the forefront, and mm. you know, issues um, surrounding racial injustice. And you know, in the news, we're seeing um, rightly so this huge groundswell movement as we're beginning to wrestle with our nation's past and mm. you know lots of debates around statues and so on which are our current and and I would really really encourage you to enter into those hard conversations um, mm. you know the conversations and the, the stuff around statues particular I think opens a really important dialogue around what is our legacy you know the legacy of colonialism and and slavery but but also to, to springboard a conversation into the future you know these issues haven't gone away they've just changed you know slavery didn't end with with William Wilberforce it has just evolved uh, and actually um, to, to be taking those very very current issues where we're looking back to actually reflect and look forward as well you know how can we learn from the past what might that look like um, for us as the future as we're thinking about how we pray how we give how we act how we speak what stories we tell what narratives we dig into in the bible you know what jobs are you getting excited about you know all those things um there is stuff to be to be getting um our teeth into there um so i would say don't be afraid these are hard issues but they are well well worth digging into wonderful wonderful thank you esther just give us one more time the web address for people to find out more sure it's um ijmuk.org or you can find ijmuk on instagram ijmuk on twitter um as well and we'd love to meet you there wonderful hey thanks for speaking to us today esther see you soon thank you god bless bye And Martin, isn't it just heartbreaking when you're drawn to see something that you just, like, I never would put those dots together. I'd never think, oh, everything moving online means, of course, some of the most horrendous human activity possible is also moving online. I mean, that's just heartbreaking, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And 
um, you know, it just, I, I think that really stopped me in my tracks. Because like you say, you become, because the world has become a bit smaller, mm, mm. You, your world becomes smaller and you become focused just on the minutia of your own life. And actually, mm. for, for my sins, literally, I have possibly forgotten the bigger world outside and what might be going on and what injustice might look like. Um, mm. Especially because um, we've been talking about one or two big justice issues quite yeah. rightly yeah. over the last yeah. couple of months. And so yeah. we've also been focused on those things. But at the same time, um, you know, the need for organisations like IJM have possibly never been greater. Isn't that heartbreaking? Um, it is heartbreaking. Yeah. And, and I think also such a great reminder that... that um, my, again just a challenge to me that my thinking around this is so binary it's like well the church of the future is either seeing itself as strong digital organizational presence or it sees that as part of what it does and actually it's back to the grassroots when actually you know Esther's saying pull back a bit like if all if all these Christians are suddenly accessing the internet and, and and having a voice and a space online actually get involved in justice on that way don't just upload your services mm. like actually harness all this digital technology for, for a justice agenda I mean that would be extraordinary wouldn't it so I think it's always just brilliant when we have speakers that just kind of blow our thinking out of the water which yeah. is so helpful isn't it so good I'm so excited she's speaking at our uh, our event what's, what's the event called Rachel um, now what? So what? What's it? What is the in it? No, it's called now what? That's now right. what? Which is so the question we're all asking. You can register to hear that talk and many others uh, at youthscape.co.uk slash now what. That's probably it from us for on a very hot and sweaty evening. Take care, lovely ones. Great. <laughs>